0: But it's just airplanes, so it's not. It's, it's not really no. This is this is the best seat in the house. It's, it's a got a runway seat. in the front yard. <laughs> <laughs> all right, flying in airplanes is not that hard. All right, it's just anybody can do it. The, the airplane really, the airplane knows how to fly. <laughs> the airplane knows you know. how to fly. It may or may not know how to land. Well, right?
1: yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh, well, sure may it or does. may not know how to turn or, or climb or, or descend or, or land or, or, or take off, but once it's airborne, it pretty much knows how to fly.
2: Yeah, yeah. David, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, of course it knows how to land. It, all, all they have to do is, you know, run out of gas. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it'll come down one way or the other. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, um, they, uh, so
0: this is uh, two kids, uh, two teenagers. I mean, we're talking like teenagers, like 14 and 15 years old, right? Yeah. Um, who among us at the age of 14 is <laughs>
1: I suppose. have not wanted to, to taste flight
0: yeah sorry I don't know if you heard that my, uh, my I had the video self played when I went to the uh, when I went to the page yeah who among us Jeb I
1: I, I I it's just uh, a mystery to me why yeah. uh, everybody's up in arms about this.
0: I'm not exactly sure how they got caught, to be honest with you. The story is really sparse on details here. This is a story from uh, abcnews.go.com, dot go dot com, basically ABC's news website. Um and uh in uh two the headline says two teen boys arrested for allegedly stealing and flying a small plane in Utah. So says the sheriff. Um so they uh These, uh, and I don't know, they're, I don't know if I want to call them troubled kids, but they apparently live normally, the the article suggests that they normally live in a group home, um, but that they were visiting another location, and while visiting this other location, they, it was a great turn of phrase here, what was it here, Um, they, they accessed. They accessed a tractor. Allegedly accessed a tractor. Yes, I like that line. They accessed a the tractor, um, which they apparently drove to the airport, I guess, All right, uh, where they took charge of this uh, small small plane. It looks like a home built of some. I don't recognize the uh, plane.
2: I, I, it, it looks a lot like a Rans.
0: Yeah, like a Rans. So, so it's so it's, it's
2: definitely got a Rotax engine in it because yeah. of the cooling vents for the radiator on yeah. the top of the cow
0: high wing tricycle gear two seater um, and uh, and so they uh, they they took charge of this airplane and uh, <laughs> allegedly allegedly um, and uh, and took off and went flying and flew for a while and uh, the article says that the kids were considering going back towards north central utah that's a quote and i i'm taking that to mean they were going to fly home um but uh then they didn't and they returned to what seems to be a different airport near also near jansen utah or colorado the story is really really disjointed it says
1: they were arrested near the airport it's yeah. not at all clear that they landed on the airport but that that said pictures of the airplane afterward looks like it can be used again yeah
0: yeah, yeah. and it, and it, I can't tell if that's if that's a, a runway that they that the airplane's stand, sitting on or okay, if yeah. that is a road
2: because it's got a marking that's kind of indistinct uh, I, you don't usually see double yellow don't pass here lines on runways on a well, runway but a
0: taxiway maybe
2: I don't know exactly. that's
1: true but the pavement is different um, it's not clear to me that that's
0: the center line of the highway. Yeah, um, no, I'm pretty sure center. it's not the center line of the highway. Um, it's
2: not a center line. No, the yellow is the right ones. shoulder. I'll so, be damned. Yeah. Uh, be. Um,
1: but anyway, I mean. <laughs> um,
0: <sighs> you know, I mean, we were talking, I think it was just last episode, we were talking about people who go flying without a license, you know. Um, I, but these,
1: I, Yeah, I, there's there is absolutely no truth to the rumor that three regional airlines have already approached these kids for flying positions. <laughs> <There
0: it goes. laughs> yeah, so, uh, so they went flying, uh, and, uh, and, and then and they, it, it says the plane, oh, wait, there's a link here for the plane, what's the say here? Oh, wait. oh it's a link to a completely different story. Um, was seen flying low along US-40, about 32 miles west of Jensen, uh, investigators believe the teams discussed flying back towards north central Utah, decided to re- return to Vernal Regional Airport. Oh, you,
1: you left out one of the punchlines here. What's that? This was on Thanksgiving Day.
0: <laughs> okay. Was, yeah, all right. Uh, give thanks for. Yeah, so. Yeah. So, anyways, they're in. Uh, uh, yeah, and they've been taken to a, a detention center now, uh, which reinforces my perhaps mistaken belief. That, that these kids were in some sort of home, you know, um, um, a custody situation yeah. to begin with. Well, Otherwise, they would have been returned to their parents. Yeah, you would it think. says
1: they were believed to have left a group home
0: yeah. in north central Utah. Um, so so I'm of so many different minds on this story. All right. You know, it's like they kind of did a good job. I mean, they flew the airplane. They flew it safely. They made some choices. They didn't die. Uh, on the other hand, don't do this. Don't do uh, this. Don't
2: do this. Is, I was just thinking they—they've they've already whoever was handling the stick and the, and the throttle has already passed most of the private pilot check ride. Yeah, it's just a shame they can't use it. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah. Well, I, and the story doesn't allude to whether or not they had any formal training. Um, it leaves it, 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 Your your imagination has led to the idea that they've. Uh, that they they you know learned everything they know about flying from X plane and uh, <laughs> uh, which is likely true, but the story doesn't say that to it's us. It's been so. done before. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, I don't know what to say. Otherwise, you know, yeah, uh, I, 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 from. Like you say, the airplane flies fine once you get stabilized in flight. That part's kind of doesn't not all that surprising. Um, Takeoffs are a little tricky, but not crazy hard. You know, and witness that demo flights often the instructor will let the newbie you know fly some part of the takeoff. Takeoffs not crazy hard. Um, It's the landing part that impresses me.
1: Um, (laughs) Well, as I say, I mean. I don't, you know, we, and we don't know what could, specifically what kind of airplane this is. It's a light, uh, sport, single, high wing, two seat Rotax. Um, but whoever manufactured it, you know, they got a great advertisement line going. Uh, so easy, two troubled youth can fly it.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, this there's, there's the slogan right there. We'll see it next year at Sun and, and Fun. Exactly.
2: Exactly. <laughs> I don't even know where to go next.
0: I, I'm going here. Welcome, <laughs> folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson coming to you. Uh, well, wait a minute. I'm coming from someplace different now. All right. Let's see. Now, I even wrote this down. Hang on. I wrote it down, and I've lost it already. Uh, oh, crap. I lost it. Where would it go? It's right here. I'm coming to you. Oh, here we go. I'm coming to you. This is new. It'll get better Fox. over time.
1: Let, let me just go ahead and apologize in advance for this episode. Uh,
0: yeah, and and much apology may be required. I'm coming to you from UCap North on the banks of the industrious Cochico River in Dover, New Hampshire. Uh, yes, uh, UCap North has moved after almost six years at uh, at the uh, legendary Lookout Point. Um, I've made some personal changes here and uh, moved out of the woods and back to the city, such as it is, and uh, am now uh, a longtime listeners. Well, remember that I lived here in Dover uh, many, many years ago, almost eight years ago, um, and uh, and I'm now in an, an apartment that's just about two blocks away from the other one. Um, uh, uh, many people remember the trains that used to be heard when I would be recording the podcast from my old place in Dover, and uh, you, know, you may hear the trains again um, now that I'm back here. So uh, we so are a, we are a multimodal podcast. We we are multi <laughs> multimodal. Yes, yes, we are multimodal as a matter of fact. Um, I I also will apologize well, Jeb's going to cover the apologies but I'm going to drop one in here and that is that it probably sounds like I'm talking to you from inside a great big empty box um, because I am talking to you from a a great big mostly empty box. Um, This room in my apartment that's going to be my home office is is still largely empty and uh, it's probably pretty echoey. I was listening to a test recording earlier and it is echoey but... There's this new thing Yeah. It's called Ikea Yes, well well, believe me, I got plenty of stuff. It's just not here yet. I, I have, I have the stuff at Lookout Point. I've got things that have been in storage since I lived at uh, Papa Papa. Um, I've got all kind. I'm very working very hard to not buy anything new. That's a big life thing right now. Yeah, is a, is not buy anything new. Get everything I've got all in one place, and then start distributing things you know offloading but uh, anyways uh so i'm coming to you from the new place and uh and it's kind of cool and i'm enjoying it and i've already been able to walk to uh, coffee and chinese food so it's oh, it's wow. check, check those two boxes off me and that was the requirement that was the spec right there you, i want
1: you can do that at where i live
0: Yeah. Once. Once. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm talking here in our virtual hangar with my two very good friends. Uh, Let's see now. That was Jeb Burnside. He's coming to us from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida, where you can walk to town every, you know, once a week, you know, and then a second week to get back. And same week service. Same, yes, week right. same, same week service. Same week service. Hi, Jeb. How are you?
1: I'm spiffy. Um, woke up this morning to zero zero uh, fog. Uh huh. Maybe, uh, maybe an eighth of a mile visibility. Yeah. Uh, so no one was flying. Um, and uh, just kind of coasting on Thanksgiving leftovers.
0: Mm hmm. Hey, oh, that might be Thanksgiving. What that? Talk about Thanksgiving. Maybe. We're not. I don't uh, know. It was good. The kids were there? Yeah, kids were here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, cool. yeah, And my other good friend here in the virtual hangar from uh, the air capital of the world, Wichita, Kansas Dave Higdon. Hi David, what's going on?
2: Oh, uh, just enjoying a uh, bright, sunny, snow-covered uh, Monday morning. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, I know. Yeah, Jeb, you can tune out for a second here. It's snowing up here too, David. It's uh, or it's not snowing today, it snowed a couple days ago and now it's raining
2: because that's New England. And uh, but well, We uh, ended our thank- long Thanksgiving weekend here yesterday with a uh, uh, about three and a half inches here at my hacienda, but north and west of here in Kansas, uh, the snow was coming down so hard it closed 120 miles of Interstate 70. Uh, West of uh, uh, Salina. Right.
0: Yeah, as we record this on, it's Monday morning after Thanksgiving here in the United States. um, It's uh, in addition to that that, uh, snow area that David was just describing. I was reading in the news this morning that there's something like 30 million people up in the upper Midwest U.S. that are under blizzard conditions right now, including the city of Chicago. Um, so uh, it's it's crazy weather right now. Um, you know, we had snow here in New England. We had the lowest Thanksgiving Day temperatures ever recorded, um, and then now it's above. Now it's forty degrees. So it's it's
2: craziness. Um, well, that, other than uh, yesterday's little snow event, uh, Wichita had a pretty nice long weekend for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. you could tell by the crowds downtown and the brew pubs that uh, a lot of people were taking advantage of the Friday shopping. Myself, I, uh, I, I set the autopilot in both vehicles and, and restricted it like a, like a drone. <laughs> okay. Couldn't get more than two miles out of my neighborhood. That way I never got close to a mall.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, well, there's that. yeah, I haven't even touched that stuff yet, so anyways, um and Jeb, we're sympathetic that you have to suffer through through fog.
1: I know, I know it's well, it's starting
0: to burn off now, so oh okay, good. all right then what's going on here? uh what's going on in aviation? Let's see now. Uh, we got two kids uh, deciding to just go flying. And then we've got, what's next here? Uh, oh, so this is a follow-up. We've been talking, uh, and we've been talking for literally for years, like practically episode three, I believe, we first talked about ADSB, b And, of course, it's becoming a big deal now. story came out the other day, Chad Troutvetter, which I believe, I don't know, I know his name. I believe you guys know him, right? Yeah, I know Trout, yeah. Yeah. I work with him sometimes. Yeah, and did I get his name right? I'm sorry. Troutvetter. Trout, but but it is Chad, right? Chad. Chad Trapper, right. Um has a story in uh, AIN uh, online, and uh, where he's reporting that, and we've known that some a lot of people were going to miss the ADS-B deadline. But he's saying that half of the U.S. aircraft fleet will miss the deadline. Um, is is that a bigger number than you guys were sort of expecting? Is that a surprise to you? Well, the thirty uh percent. Yeah, I mean, the numbers are a little weird. I've read both the summary that's in GA News and I skimmed through the actual report in uh, Aviation International News. um, And the numbers are a little bit weird, hard to track. But because it talks about 40, it says just 46.2% of the U.S. aircraft fleet is projected to meet the ADSB equipment mandate. All right. But then you read on and it talks about a different number for general aviation, aviation which suggests that that 46.2 includes the airlines. Yeah, it does. Um, so then you look at the GA numbers where biz jets are going to do the best in terms of getting equipped, which kind of makes sense. They're highly motivated. Um, and then uh, and then it goes down to uh, pistons and then helicopters, interestingly, have the lowest. Um, but... Uh, you know, I don't know. One thing this story doesn't take, one thing these numbers at least don't don't explicitly take into account, is the fact that not every aircraft in the GA fleet really needs to be equipped, um, because they may choose to fly outside of the areas, right? That's exactly right. And we don't know yeah. what that number is. Has anybody even taken a stab at what that number might be? You know,
1: well, it's approximately. Um whatever the percentage of pistons already equipped, minus the the, the subtracted from the total.
0: Um, Well, that's an interesting. um, You think that's true? Because I think a lot of people are in denial and putting it off, aren't they? Well, I
1: think a lot of people are going to be signing up um, over the next year, and and a lot of people will be equipping. I think that number will budge. Um, But, uh, you know, this is this is it's not the end of the world, yeah. For a lot of people,
0: for a lot of people, I mean, for a lot of people, you know, the, come
1: January one, if they can't fly into a class Bravo or class Charlie airspace,
0: right? Yeah,
1: uh, it's it's not the end of the world. Um, and um, if it if you know all of a sudden the need arises, uh, there likely will be some some shop time available. Uh, it's hard to say what's going to happen after January one. There's you know, the biggest drawback I see right now, or the biggest hindrance I see right now, is available avionics shop time.
0: Right. Yeah, um, I think
1: schedule think Not getting the equipment, but scheduling the install. It depends on the install, of course. Some of the products out there can be installed um, just by an IA. Uh, they're just kind of bolt-on. Um, you don't need an avionics shop to, to run a bunch of wiring and, and tie in a bunch of avionics uh, for, for a simple solution. So, um, we haven't seen the end of this yet oh. I, th- I think that's gonna I think the percentage number um, the actual number of aircraft equipped by January 1 will be much higher uh, at least among the piston uh, uh, types and probably for for uh, uh, other uh, including jets and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um but it ain't the end of the world
0: yeah. Yeah. David, I know you follow aviation electronics pretty closely. Do you have any thoughts on this?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, the, the low equipment, the, the low equipage rate that they're showing, uh, that tra- Chad shows for uh, the piston fleet, uh, pretty closely matches what I've found in, in reporting for stories I've done in avionics news and elsewhere. Mm mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's puzzling to me because the first two, two or three years after the FAA finalized the rule, it, it was obvious. The, the solutions that were out there were way too expensive, and there weren't that many of them. And it was understandable that people are going to hang on. They've got several years to do it, and as all these technologies go, it's going to get... Smaller and cheaper, and easier to use, and, and that pattern has 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 followed pretty closely. Uh, now we have solutions that can be installed in, the, in in less than an hour for under two grand yeah. with installation for under two grand, and some certification issues is holding up it being used in certificated aircraft, but it's going gangbusters in the experimental fleet. But uh, there's so many low-cost solutions now that are are relatively easy. Like Garmin's got one. It's one box and a GPS antenna, and you plug it into the transponder cable between the antenna and the transponder, wire it up, and it's ready to go. Uh, installation is already a, a problem. Getting an installation slot is already a problem. Mm-hmm. But the avionics shops, uh, I'm sorry, the avionics manufacturers that I've talked to are saying, well, we're starting to see a little uptick in people buying these things, but not nearly what they'd expect with only 13 months left. And I'm trying to figure out what the hell people are waiting on.
1: Uh, another thing going on here that Chad explores later uh, in this article Um is the reduction in value of aircraft that are not equipped come January 1, Mm -hmm. Uh, January 1, 2020. Um, One quote here, uh, not only will non-equipped jets be grounded in less than 14 months, they're effectively grounded, Uh, but these aircraft will suffer significant devaluation and owners will incur storage fees. Now, that speaks to uh, business jets. Right. But I think that's also going to be true across the fleet.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah. I I, I don't know. I haven't thought about it as deeply as you guys have. Maybe
1: not grounded for pistons that are going to operate normally below 18,000 feet. Yeah. But a lot of turboprops. Um, Dave, you were... Um, uh, you recently rode on a jet that did not have RVSM, and uh, the aircraft was restricted to flight level 270, burning a lot of gas. Um, I had, you know, a lot of people aren't really going to want to spend their days at, at 17,000 or 17.5 and burn that kind of gas either. So, you know, whether it's a turboprop or a jet, um, The grounding outright is kind of strong, uh, but they're effectively grounded until they get the equipment. Some jets are going to be parked. Some turboprops are going to be parked. Yeah. Um, The piston fleet will just move outside of the the Charlie and Delta airspace areas or or avoid them Mm -hmm. uh, until such time as they need that access and equip. Yeah. Um, the reaction is going to be different for every every class of aircraft, but uh, um, we're going to we're going to see some interesting economics. I think.
2: Well, and the other thing that, we, we, as Jeb was talking about, uh, uh, installation slots getting scarcer. Uh, 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 some of the uh, approved solutions are, are proving so popular that manufacturers are starting to struggle to keep up with the demand. Hmm. And they plan their production around something more like a smooth curve toward the deadline, and it's not followed that way. Now people are starting to uh, try to purchase their hardware, uh, even ahead of when they can get an installation slot. And the, you know how that supply-demand thing goes. Uh, As shortages shortages of these, if the shortages occur, like I would expect, uh, we get past January one, February one of nineteen, and prices are not going to go down anymore. They're going to start to go up because the dealers are going to be able to charge more because they've got a small supply of equipment to parcel out to a big market. Interesting. So I think we're probably at, at 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 the ebb. Of the price curve dropping, and the installation slots being easy to get, and it's all going to get more difficult from here.
0: I mean, so what's the the lesson here? Is um, take this very if you haven't already equipped your airplane, take this very seriously and do something now, or wait, or I mean, it's like sooner the better. Yeah, The
2: the sooner the better. But
0: the suggestion is that it's that it's maybe already too late.
2: Well. For for some for some operators with some equipment desires, it may be too late. Yeah, uh, too
0: late to meet the deadline.
2: Not too late. Yeah, too late to, too do late it to and, meet the deadline. Yeah. Uh, which in case, you know, if they've got a January 1, 2020 installation date, that airplane is is grounded until it comes out and passes the uh, the the test It shows that it works properly, and they, they file the paperwork with the FAA. Uh, it's uh, and I'm surprised that the honestly, I'm surprised that the business jet number is as high as it is, as really? much as yeah. we've heard. Yeah. yeah, as much as we've heard about the percentage of the fleet for which solutions do not yet exist oh, but okay. are in progress, mm-hmm. being over fifty percent of the fleet uh, compliant is uh, is is pretty surprising to me. Interesting. Okay. Well. But 17% oh. of the piston fleet, I really expected it to be up in the 30, 40% range. So, you know, they, there's a whole lot of these guys. And the helicopter people, and talking to some folks at NBAA, I was stunned at how many helicopter operators and pilots believed that ADSB didn't apply to them because they're flying air ambulance and never getting over 500 feet, or they're flying power line patrol and never get over 500 oh, feet that's interesting. and start saying guys guys what kind of what, airport are you operating yeah, out of oh yeah. i'm operating out of a bravo or a charlie dude you can't get an in and out of there after january in 2020 without adsb if you're in a b or a c airport mm-hmm. you're stuck well
1: yes and no the rule does allow um atc discretion um, but and you can probably count on some discretion um, in the early days after January one. But as an operating practice, I don't think that that's yeah. a very good idea. Yeah, if you if
0: you're if you're a commercial operator, you shouldn't yeah, be. That's just nuts. Yeah, that's that's a big risk. That's a big risk. All right. Well, more to come, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Um, we've been talking about it for 12 years. We'll probably yeah, talk about it for one of the
1: one of the commenters on uh, uh, this original story mm-hmm. um, on GA News um, um, made the point that it's going to be interesting uh, to see how many hangar queens there are out there among the GA piston fleet. Uh, in,
0: in what way? How many? How many end up being?
1: Well, how many hangar queens there are out there? They only fly, you know, five or ten hours a year. Mm. Um, they get annual, they get insured, um, and, um, you know, they don't fly in that airspace. Um, do they even need ADSB? We'll find out.
0: Right. Okay. I mean... Going it, forward. Um, of course, part of it has to do with what hangar they're in now. And, well, exactly. exactly. And whether they want to move to a different hangar that's not... Or you know, just
1: a different airport. Uh, well, that's yeah, what I mean, yeah, but at, yeah, 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 at, at a
0: different location. Right. Yeah, so. Um, okay.
1: But I can, you know, around here, for example, I, I don't need ADS-B to conduct most of my operations. It's really? Great, it's, I don't. Okay. I, I, li- I live outside.
0: Yeah, I know where you live outside, but uh, yeah. going north and south in Florida is a little bit tricky. You're yeah. going to have to thread the needle there, right, because you've yeah. got two but big I, Bravo's. I,
1: I could do it. Yeah, okay. Um, and, you know, if I'm IFR going out of here going north or something like that, again, you know, ATC can waive that requirement and vector me into that airspace. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, I, that's not an operating plan. Yeah. Um, but again, I come back to, I think we've already seen it, uh, where um, it's not so much that aircraft equipped with ADSB command a premium, but it's expected now, and that aircraft without ADS-B mm-hmm. take a hit to their valuation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. David, uh, on our little list, David, you wrote... I want to be a rescue chopper pilot in my next life <laughs> yeah I, okay. you know i mean I, I I kind of understand where you're coming from here. The video that we're talking about here simultaneously wants makes me want to do this and never want to do this. Uh, this is a crazy video uh David, what's it a video of
2: it's a video of uh, a helicopter crew from Los Angeles rescuing some people from uh the Wolsey. Fire, which is near the campfire that we've been hearing so much about, mm-hmm. uh, back on November 9th, uh, they were uh, doing water drops and got asked to try to help out some uh, some people stranded and trapped by the fire. And the uh, the needle that they had to thread, yeah, to find a spot to put the helicopter down so that they could load these people directly and not have to to winch them up.
0: Uh, well, and they couldn't there. winch them up. They didn't have the gear on board to do the right. winch, so they would have had to leave them for a while. And yeah, this yeah. is quite a video, yeah. and I think it's gotten a lot of traction. I'd be surprised if a lot of our listeners mm-hmm. haven't already seen it or at least heard of it. Um, yeah. It's a pretty crazy video. It's from a head-mounted camera on the um, on the pilot, on the right seater in this helicopter, and, uh, and it shows them, and, and we hear... ATC and, and intercom audio of these two pilots um, whose names I really want to credit these guys David Norquist and Joel Smith are the names according to this, uh, this article that I'm reading from the LAFD.org which I believe is the Los Angeles Fire Department's website um, so um, we hear them um, getting the call that, that they're needed. Um, they're already in flight over these areas, and we see them flying along, and we see the smoke in the distance, and then they go into the smoke where the whole visibility thing changes dramatically. It was pretty amazing. Um, and and then we see them approaching this hilltop where there's a, de- a developed hilltop. There's some buildings and cars parked there and a very small parking area. And, uh, and we see them initially trying to set down in this parking lot, but between foam poles and wires and cars parked, there isn't enough room for the set the helicopter down. Although they try heroically to get this helicopter on the ground in the parking lot, and then they can't do it. Um, it it's fascinating to listen to the coordination between the uh, right-seater who's flying the helicopter and the left-seater who's sort of a spotter, you know, uh, I don't know exactly what you would call that role, but uh, an important role. Um, looking around, watching the tail rotor, seeing where obstacles are—it's um, it, an interesting. Um, just from that regard, it's an interesting video. So they bail on the uh, on the uh, parking lot there, and then they say, "Well, there's an area outside the fence over there, among the brush, where I think I see some gravel, cleared ground. I think we can land over there." And so they go over there and sneaking in among the bushes. I mean, it's really kind of scary um, to watch. And to and, add
2: to the drama, yeah. They were damn near down to bingo fuel.
0: Yeah, they were. They were very, very near not being able to able to get home on the fuel they had on board. Uh, Fortunately, it was
2: all downhill to the fuel truck. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, but now if you have watched the whole video, so as the, so they, just to kind of complete the story, um, they set the helicopter down in this little weird, you know, kind of v- vaguely cleared area. The left seater. Climbs out of the helicopter, goes over to direct the, the what they thought was two and turned out to be three humans and two dogs um, um, out to the helicopter. He gets them on board the helicopter, gets them buckled in. He climbs back into the left seat. Then they lift off. And they're told by the controllers that there's a fuel truck at a location somewhat nearby. And so they say, okay, we're going to that fuel truck. And as they're approaching the place where the fuel truck is located, they suddenly get a call saying, wait, that fuel truck's not there anymore. It's moved off someplace else. Yeah. yeah. Um, and fortunately, we've we've heard them talking about the fact that they could probably make it to um, the near air, nearby airport, anyways, or, or wh- whatever this alternate was. Is actually the the fuel truck was the alternate, their original destination, and so they they headed out to this this you know uh, other destination and and apparently landed. I mean, according to the reports, and the video ends. We
2: would have heard the news if they yeah, didn't make it.
0: Yeah, the video ends, but uh, but the 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 story is that they landed safe safely and uh, discharged their their rescued passengers and uh yeah an, an amazing video uh, a fascinating video and, well, and and for
2: the last yeah. few years after hurricanes and floods we've seen a lot of rooftop rescues by mm-hmm. helicopter pilots uh, but those were seldom in conditions in circumstances as challenging as what this la fire department uh, helicopter crew uh, had to fly through to uh Uh, pull off their rescue and Mm -hmm. it 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 did it just kind of made the hair stand up on my back and and make me think uh, if i come back in another life i will learn to fly helicopters and do this
0: it it, it's yeah it has its appeal
2: um but
0: uh but you know kudos i mean just just Hooray! Uh, stand to, and cheer to these David, two,
2: David you know. Nordquist and Joel Smith. You yeah. guys kick ass! Yeah. yeah,
0: and and to all of there's just a whole lot of GA pilots, both associated with uh, fire departments and police departments, and fire rescue and 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 uh, what do they call it? Cal Fire, which is the firefighting operations. There's just a huge, huge group of pilots that are doing heroic things out there right now, and uh, our hats off to all of them for 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 what they do. It's, Absolutely, uh, it's pretty amazing. Um, we'll put a link in the uh, in the show notes to this video. Uh, if you haven't watched it already, you, you got to check it out. It's it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Let's see now here. Um, Offfield. I think this is from the last episode. We didn't get to it, but I really wanted to talk about it a little bit. Offfield landing of the week. We haven't actually done a formal offfield landing of the week in quite some time. Um, although our fourteen and fifteen year olds at the beginning of the episode might have qualified, but we don't know for sure. Um, this is an offfield landing in El Cajon, uh, California, um, of a uh, of a uh, it appeared to be some sort of Cherokee type aircraft um, landing on uh, on a freeway. They're out in California amongst the traffic and uh, caught by a cell phone camera, as almost everything is these days. And uh, it's and this is, I don't know, maybe it's just a weird perspective thing. But it looks like they set this airplane down in amongst the traffic. All right. It's, it's I don't know. They,
1: they did, basically. Yeah. Bounced, bounced once and, and rolled out straight. Uh, and uh, far over on the left side of the, I mean, the lane highway it was this three-lane highway. Um. There was just barely enough room for vehicles to get by on the right.
2: Yeah.
1: Funny. But yeah, it's Cherokee Warrior, Piper Cherokee Warrior. Yeah. Or Archer, something like that, and. uh, um, Yeah. Prop stopped. It's rolling out. Um, There's an in number. I like
2: the way that guy gives him thumbs up as he's going past the airplane. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh,
0: it's. Is the pilot's name? I think the names are here. Let's see. I thought I saw them. So it was a, it was apparently a training flight because there was a student pilot on board. And at the time of the engine uh, failure, um, uh, the pilot, the student, was flying, and the instructor took over, according to these stories, uh, and uh, chose to make this emergency landing on the uh, uh, westbound lane of Interstate Eight. Apparently here, um, and uh, let's see here. Uh, not finding the names of the uh, they were headed for uh
2: oh, apparently he bit, the pilot i don't know he if this just is the, missed his exit it's right back there yeah i know <laughs> let's see now according to this the
0: uh this pilot has a graph down low talks about the it says the pilot was a uh, a former college baseball player named Ryan Mun- Muno or M U N O Um, and, uh, but it's not clear if that was the instructor or the student. Um, but, uh, yeah. So anyways, good job. I I continue to have reservations about landing on highways, but if that's what you got,
2: that's what you got. And, uh, um, a highways beat trees.
0: Well, for sure. And that's what I mean. Um, but, uh the idea of trying to thread the needle in between vehicles, because you're traveling at a very different speed, even at touchdown. Um, and you're going to come, basically you're almost certainly going to land overhead. You're going to come up from behind and really startle some driver. And, uh, yeah. Um, it, it just, you know, fortunately it often ends well, but I'd try hard to find a better spot myself. But like I said, if you got to do it. You got to do it. And they did it well. They did it well. So, uh, Since they were headed to Gillespie Field, isn't Gillespie Field the big airline airport there in San Diego? I think it is.
2: In San Diego? Yeah. I think, um,
0: I think Gillespie Field is the is the it, right there in the middle of, if you've ever flown into San Diego It's a,
1: it's a shame we don't have some
0: device <laughs> yeah, well, I was be, sort of figuring <laughs> one of you guys look looking up, I was being lazy um, If I don't know if you've ever have either of you ever flown airlines into San Diego um, mm, yeah. it, it, the, the, whatever the airport is that is the airline airport there um, in uh, in San Diego is very downtown, I mean it is really on the edge of downtown and, uh, and it, if you're approaching from a particular run onto a particular runway you literally go right overhead almost amongst this the high-rise buildings of downtown um it, it's it's quite a, a little experience as you're as you're watching out the windows uh making this approach and according
1: uh, to AirNav.com, yeah uh, the major air carrier airport is san diego casing uh san diego international and then uh, and Gillespie's 12 miles.
0: Ah, uh, he's out of town. Okay. Now yeah, it's uh, yeah because uh, that, now I stop and think about it isn't isn't the one in isn't it might be it's named after somebody. Lindbergh Field, or does yeah, and Mir- Miramar's nearby. Um is Mir- nearby, but you know there's yeah. another uh, airport, Brown Field. Yeah. So is, Anyways, mm-hmm. congratulations to this uh, CFI and student for uh, doing a good job and uh, and all getting our
1: up listeners off. in the San Diego area are screaming at us now.
0: I know they are. I know they are. And uh, and uh, including well, actually Drew. you, Jack, because you know I <laughs> had to look it up. Yeah, right. And I, I was too lazy to look it up. Okay, all right. What do we got here? Star Trek moment. I think Jeb put this one on the list yeah. first. So I'm going to let you tell me why this is a Star Trek. Okay, well, what is it and why is it a this, Star Trek This moment?
1: is This is all over the Internet since, uh, uh, or at least, you know, aviation Internet since uh, uh, the story hit a few days ago. Uh, I've seen it in several places. But basically some researchers at MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, mm-hmm. um, put together a very, obviously, a very lightweight airplane. That is, um, has no moving parts. It is powered, Mm -hmm. I'm going to call it ionic discharge, ionic wind. Yep. Uh, They uh, uh, energize some material. Uh, The uh, material uh, gives off free electrons and and ionize, kind of an ionized drive, and it provides propulsion. And these guys and gals have uh, developed this airplane. you know it's it's a, obviously a model. It can't carry a human, uh, probably can't carry much of anything. Uh, but they flew it in a gymnasium mm-hmm. And you're like, and it was completely silent. Uh, no moving parts. And you're like, huh the 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 one of the stories I saw was like, you know, Star Trek is here.
0: yeah. Yeah, um, it's interesting technology. It it, it truly is.
1: I, Even if it doesn't result in a uh, 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 man-rated aircraft, or or soon it result in a man-rated aircraft, a uh, person-rated aircraft, uh, it's it has some interesting other applications. I would think.
0: Sorry, now this time I'm looking at something. Yeah, it does seems slick. I, uh, I'm I'm flashing back to a either popular science or popular mechanics story of my youth so we're talking a long time ago that had that had a a hovercraft i think it was i don't think it actually flew like getting out of ground effect but um and it had this kind of a i don't know if they called it that but this kind of ionic drive where yeah there were like there's like two plates or two screens and and you charge put charges to the two screens in such a way that it causes the air molecules to to go from one to the other and make a wind. Um, and uh, I was just searching the internet to see if anything pops up, but I'm not. Well, it's not here, jumping out at me. You know, I'm going to share. I'm to share a link with you. Yeah, was is is it a different length than the ones that's in the notes? You got? It? Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: We're talking about popular science.
2: Huh? <laughs> oh, Okay. Oh, you know we we've we've, we've, had, we've launched spacecraft from earth that use ion thrust uh, takes very little power it doesn't accelerate like a rocket but it will keep accelerating as long as it's got power to to charge the uh, mm-hmm. ion engine yeah and uh we've sent some of those way way right. way out in space yeah
0: the difference is that once once an, a, a spacecraft is you know sort of in orbit or beyond um they require relatively little you know motive force to right. to get keep going whereas an aircraft requires a fairly substantial amount to uh, be pushed forward but but still very cool that would be kind of neat it makes me wonder though so and, and they were touting this as being silent
1: um yeah and which I find to be an incredible drawback, and I'll tell you why in just a minute.
0: Okay, all right. But So they, they, you talk about automobiles, all right, and how um, a, a lot of the noise that an automobile makes is not the engine. It's the like the, the, the tires on the pavement and the wind rushing by it and things like that. Um, and uh, at least they used to say that. Um, in this day and age of electric cars, it's turning out to be a little bit, more complicated because electric cars are eerily quiet and, and occasionally dangerously quiet. They've they've snuck up on pedestrians. But, uh, um, I wonder how much of the noise of an aircraft is the engine versus, I don't know what else it would be. The, The first time I ever rode in a glider, but maybe the only time I've ever rode in a glider, a long, long time ago, I was pretty, pretty Taken by surprise at how loud it was in the cockpit of this glider, um, because the with the wind whistling past the uh, the fuselage. Um, so, I wonder how quiet this ionic drive thing really would be. But uh, I'm betting um, quieter than that. Well, yeah. Okay. Jeb, you were going to add something?
1: I was going to have to, you know, we'll have to come up with a portable avionics device that will make engine noises.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, so
1: we don't have to do it ourselves. We don't have to go vroom, vroom all the time. <laughs>
0: well, okay. But that's half the fun, going vroom, vroom, you know? Well, Dave, and, Dave does it all it, the time in his Sonics, I hear.
2: I love a little time-lapse photo that shows yeah. it flying.
0: Oh, I haven't and, seen
2: that. Where it, 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 is it, that it, this? It's at the end of the file that the link opens. And uh I'm stunned. It is it it maintains level flight all the way across yeah. this this yeah, well, uh, it was launched court. From a,
1: apparently it was launched from a fixture above the floor of this gymnasium. But yeah, it didn't I mean actually one of the frames it appears to have a fairly I won't say high, but it's certainly a, a discernible uh angle of attack. Um mm. from, from what I, saw. I mean, it clearly is and I guess the other thing going on here is, uh, does this have a control system of any kind, or is it just a kind of a straight shot, perfectly aligned?
0: That was going to be my question: whether this yeah. thing did this fly a racetrack, or did it just go straight across it the? It really just went straight, and yeah. that's more than
1: sufficient um, uh, to prove the concept, I would think. Until and unless they come up with a control system, the I don't know if there's this story or the the popular science story or some other story I yeah. read. Basically, they can, um, part of the control system would consist of varying the ion output itself, varying, you know, using power essentially uh, to, to control and steer the aircraft. Um, I don't know, you know, that might not be sufficient in all, to, to, in all uh,
2: axes, but it's certainly a start. And mm-hmm. it's it's a shame the photo doesn't give us something to to uh, put its size into perspective because the model that we see in what one two three four five six seven time lapse shots that puppy's got a 16 foot wingspan. That's a big big model. Yeah, there's a
1: let's see, there's a video at the bottom of the poly sci I'm sorry, poly sci. Popular science article um, that shows it shows some some
0: failures obviously. Let me, let me scroll through this. Oh, and it shows a person hand launching it, so that it gets you a sense of. Oh yeah, it didn't fly right every single time, did it? Uh, but yeah. And that yeah. was a fifteen-second so, flight. Yeah, there's all
1: kinds of of. Uh, Cool. One of the last videos here shows it launching from that platform, from a a rail system. And um, it basically maintains altitude Mm -hmm. uh, across the gymnasium Mm -hmm. smacks into the far wall. Um, um, Okay, guys, show me
0: more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, David, have you already, you've already bought the engine for the Sonics, though, right? So, so yeah. you're going to probably stick with that. Yeah, but, I'm,
2: afraid uh, to, I'm afraid that we're a little bit away from having enough battery power to make this the YX fly like that. <laughs>
0: well, no, you, put, you also put solar cells on tops of the wings. You know, lots of ways to, right? Yeah.
2: What intrigues me about this is what it would do to the airport NIMBYs. NIMBYs being right. not-in-my-backyard people, uh, who's always want to tell you that the noise makes it unsafe yeah hear that that's unsafe Uh, bite me yeah Uh, no it's not now what are you going to have to complain about oh that airplane flying silently overhead that's a safety hazard yeah bite me again
0: human beings are instinctively afraid of things over their heads i mean physically above them it's a survival trait
2: that's my theory so Sir, all you got to do is watch a Godzilla movie to figure that out.
0: Yeah, well, I, but it, I'm talking about real life. I, back in the day, it was, you know, people who uh, who avoided situations where the bad guys could get them from overhead um, were the ones that survived. Well, that's back when alligators could fly. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> alligators, well, yeah, and they could fly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, okay. Yeah. Um, Sorry. So you just churned up a whole bunch of alligator stories that have nothing to do with this podcast that I've heard in, in the last couple weeks. Oh. Um, alligators wander around people's backyards down there, and uh, I don't down, care if it, down
1: where is da- that?
0: down Florida, where oh, the alligators live, down Florida. Yeah, where the alligators live. Oh. Um, and uh, what was the other alligator story? Oh, it wasn't an alligator story. Two of our two of our good friends, uh, uh, um, the, the Daniels, um, Mike and Elizabeth. Um, were uh, went kayaking. They, they posted on social media how they had gone kayaking. And they seemed to have a lovely day. It seemed very, very nice. But I still say, I'm not going kayaking in Florida. I'm just not going to do it, you know. Aww. And Mike Mike's kind of a big guy, okay? Uh, a sweetheart, but a big guy, all right? And it shows him in a kayak... That's not simply small and close to. It's like one of these kayaks where it doesn't have the sides where you kind of sit on top of it. All right, you know, and so he's got maybe three inches to the surface of the water from his kayak. Um, I have a kayak like this, and I often dip my hands into the water as I'm p- paddling around with this thing. And I'm just thinking, not doing that in alligator country. You know, this is going to come up and, you know, try and... No, no, okay, see, I'm sorry. I di- I digress. And um, you definitely don't want
2: to do it off of Amity Island.
0: <laughs> that, too. There you go. Okay. <laughs> uh, news from Oshkosh. Uh, and uh, so we uh, we heard... Hints of this, we heard sort of the beginning bits and pieces of this when. Uh, um, well, actually, the, let me let me come back to the, the one we heard bits and pieces of. There's actually two kinds of pieces of news from Oshkosh. Um, EAA and and or the FAA have announced that there are going to be some somewhat dramatic, not dramatic, but more than usual changes to the uh, Oshkosh Air Venture arrival procedure coming up this next year. Um, I, I could summarize it in my crude fashion. Have either of you looked at this more closely? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, not really, but I, I understand the gist of it.
0: Yeah, give, give us the gist of, of what they're thinking about doing. Apparently, it's not a done deal yet, right? It's you, just kind you, of...
1: You, you don't even want to call on me.
0: Yeah. But what, what changes are they talking about for the arrival procedure? Dave, go ahead. No, I think you're it, Jim. Oh, I'm,
1: I'm it. Okay. Yeah. Well, um... First of well, new arrival. I'm just reading off the bullet points here on the on the EAA website. Um, a new arrival gate uh, identified visually and with GPS, further out um, from the airport airport uh, than Fisk is, mm-hmm. uh, so that people can get even uh, um, better spacing uh, and uh, you know pick someone to follow even further out um a, a newly defined Fisk arrival itself mm-hmm. um they've um, um, tinkered with the uh, the minimum ceiling um for mm-hmm. use of the fisk arrival uh, they raised it a little bit um they also um have a new procedure this is perhaps uh as important as anything. A new procedure to address temporary, I'm reading now, temporary airport closures and provide a quote bailout unquote track that enables an orderly transition from the final inbound leg to Oshkosh down to Fond du Lac. Um, Aircraft, and then then, uh, aircraft arriving uh, Fond du Lac around that defined route will either land at Fond du Lac or be directed back to the initial. For Oshkosh, mm-hmm. depending on airport closure status. Right. Um, policy on mass arrivals also, uh, well, sh- the FAA should create a policy on mass arrivals that restricts the arrival of day and time to the planned time, um, to the time planned by the mass arrival itself. Right. Um, but only with limited ability to change that timing due to weather. Right. <laughs> uh, in the past, you've had. Some of these mass arrivals delay and delay and delay and impact not only normal arrivals but other mass arrivals. Right,
0: right. Now, as I understand it, this somewhat comes from the fact that it got a little hairy um, arriving at Oshkosh at Whitman Field on the first couple days of the show this past summer. Nope. Um, wasn't it that, and David, you were there already, um, it rained for like the first day and a half of yep. the formal show, yeah. um, which is a time when you normally get a lot of arrivals. Well, so, it's it, it ran about a
2: day and a half of yeah. the uh, of the arrival period, right? Uh, and then, uh, and opening then it,
0: day, it finally went away. Yeah, and it cleared somewhat suddenly. So everybody who was kind of you know, you know, queued up in various regional you know area airports decided to arrive at the same time. So it got even crazier than usual. Um, there were also apparently were a couple of, uh, of uh, you know, instances of what Dave, uh, Jeb talks about about the runaway kind of thing you know when they're suddenly told no you can't go in fly away um, and uh, and although it, it worked out well and as I understand it, no one was hurt, um, there were no incidents. Um, it, it got a little crazier than usual. I've heard people report. And
1: yeah, so I got in. Dave, did I, did I arrive Friday or Saturday Saturday? okay. Yeah, I left here on Friday, overnighted in, um, in Madison Madison because I couldn't get into Oshkosh after the curfew,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and uh, got up the next morning, and the weather was kind of low. Let me put it another way. Um, it, was, it was certainly VFR. <clears throat> it might have been marginal at first, but it picked up, uh, and I motored in from Madison in, in really good VFR. Myself and you know um, six or eight hundred of my closest friends um, didn't really have any problems, but the the upshot of all that was the day. This was really the first big day of arrivals, and or the, the second big day of, of the NOTAM, but the first big day of arrivals thanks to the previous day's weather, and a lot of those arrivals got compressed. Into the afternoon, I got in late morning, mm-hmm. and that was after taking a, a fairly leisurely morning yeah. myself and and um, making sure that the, as the weather came up, it was going to stay up. Uh, Madison happens to be the staging airport for a, a Mooney-type um, mm-hmm. um, uh, club or, or club. It might be the Mooney arrival. I'm not sure. Mooney Caravan, whatever it's called. Um and these people were kind of waiting around for, you know, some sign. I don't know what they were waiting on, but I had a great, great flight motor, motoring on him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was that afternoon that things started to get nuts. And right. that continued into Sunday. Yeah. And I, I always kind of think when something like this comes out that there were a couple of FAA pilots uh, stuck in, in traffic, you know, down around Fisk or Rippling or something. And uh, I don't know. But um, I had a bad time. But yeah, there were some some reports that it got pretty hairy out there. But mm-hmm. the flip side of which is, there weren't any accidents.
0: Right? No, it worked. Yeah, it's you know so. But that's good. You know, you want to make yeah. these changes before somebody gets At, hurt. Oh, you absolutely. Know, absolutely. You know? absolutely. So uh, so that's good. Um, so yeah, you usually fl- uh, my sense of you, Jeb, is that you often fly into Oshkosh either on an IFR during the week. Or before the procedure in the old days, used to arrive even before the procedure started. Well,
1: that's that's true because I had to be there. Understood. Yeah. So I guess These my days, question:
0: how you, how you, you so you flew the regular VFR arrival this this past summer? Correct. Is, yeah. Um, for the first that's, time in a while, or no? I'd
1: flown it. Um, I, I drove up in um, the, the year 17. before, Yeah. So in sixteen, I flew the arrival. In, uh-huh. in eighteen, I flew the arrival. Oh, okay. Um, now. I'm also doing this on either the first day of the NOTAM or the second day of the NOTAM. so I, I am getting in perhaps ahead of the, the big rush hour right. kind of thing. Right. Sunday typically is is uh, uh, a big rush, and I think that was true this year. Yeah. Sat- there was there was the, your basic buttload airplanes that came in on Saturday. Right. Uh, yeah. They were talking about. Right. So,
0: well, so obviously this is. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how this uh, develops and is is finalized uh, when the notum comes mm-hmm. out in a, in some months, um, and uh, and it's always important to read that Oshkosh notum if you're going to fly in. It's more important than ever to really scrutinize it this time because it's going to be different than than yes. than you might be used to. So I suspect we'll have this conversation again. Before, perhaps I, uh, would uh, uh, I would imagine. I would imagine in early July. The other piece of information um, announced uh, regarding Oshkosh, uh, 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 the Oshkosh fly-in, um, is uh, some changes to the grounds, which I think is kind of exciting. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to this. Um, EA announced towards the end of last year's uh, event, I believe it was during the event they announced, um, that there was a, one of the older exhibit hangars was finally going to be taken down. Um, for those of you who know the grounds, it's the exhibit hangar where the federal and international exhibits are, are have been located for some years now. Um, it's very much out there on the sort of near the flight line um, to just to the north of the Sky Shop, which is the smaller gift shop down on the flight line. Um, and uh, and that, that hangar has been there since a long time. And uh, it was definitely getting a little rickety. And they said it was now p- beyond repair. And so they decided to tear it down. What they've decided to do, and that's this is after they had torn down another similar hangar near that um, some years ago. So now they have this great big patch of, of bare ground um, much closer to the center of the show. What they're going to do, and I think this is fascinating, is that they're going to move the north exhibit areas. So again, if you're familiar with the Oshkosh grounds, if you head north on the grounds, um, past the Brown Arch, past the Home Builders Headquarters, you'll come to an outdoor exhibit area before you get to warbirds they're going to move all of those outdoor exhibits down into an area where these other hangers used to be, um, and also wrapping around behind the Sky Shop gift shop, and so all of that is going to be much closer to show center. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a really interesting area. Um, another part of this is that uh, our uh, I don't know if I want to call it beloved, yeah, our beloved um, AirVenture today headquarters building is going to be moved.
1: Oh, uh, going to be moved. Yeah, to, or the well, building will be moved or that, the location the, will be. The, moved.
0: the release I saw, I believe, used the word move or relocated or something like that um and eaa does this they'll 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 get a couple of big forklifts out there and and lift these things up and move them um but uh yeah apparently it's going to move from its current location to a location just um um west of the media center so uh in, in up in there um where now there's just a lot of park, car parking.
1: West um, uh, of media,
0: yeah, that would be car parking. Right you now. know where the media car parking is. Yeah. Um, it sounds like that's where the uh, AirVenture Today office is going to is going to uh, land, so to speak. Um, and uh, so that'll continue to clear out that area. Um, what it, one of the things they were touting in the release is that this made a new unimpeded north south um, walkway road. This, right? well, well,
1: this says just east of press headquarters, not west.
0: Um.
1: Just oh, east of okay. Press,
0: I, I, just, if that's the case, I'll stand corrected. Yeah, I didn't just th-
1: east of press headquarters is kind of where that first aid facility is. Well, or the or the or the, the, uh, the, the camera. Outfit.
0: No, well, the, the camera outfit. No, there's a there's a food tent there, isn't There, there's, yeah, there's I,
1: that's true also.
0: There's, there's, there's usually a food hmm. tent. Maybe that's maybe I misread it, but uh, it did say adjacent to the media center, Right. and. Uh, um, so, uh, And by moving the uh, AirVenture Today building, which, by the way, for a long time, for uh, EAA historians, that used to be EAA headquarters, um, or at least air, the, the show headquarters. Yeah, that was the show um,
2: headquarters for years. And, uh,
0: um, and then years ago, when they built the exhibit hangar, the big exhibit hangars up in the center area, um, it got repurposed and, and has been the newspaper office for a long time. Newspaper and, um, and some other uh, 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 EA media stuff. Um, going on in there. Uh, so they if they take that building out of there, suddenly the roadway that used to go along the back of the tower no longer has to make this sort of jog left-right around the, the AirVenture of today building. It can now be a straight shot road that goes all the way from um, basically the show center area all the way up to Warbirds, um, and they think it's going to really make it much easier to move north-south on the grounds there. And uh, um, and like I said, I think the idea of moving the north exhibit areas down in closer like that is going to be very exciting. Um, and. Uh, you know with you know with the in uh, the the homebuilders headquarter out there on the uh, on the flight line is going to be a cool spot um, uh, that uh, for the home builder folks and others hang out and uh, it's just it's an interesting development I'm always fascinated as they continue to evolve the uh, the exhibit grounds there and, uh, and and this is a very interesting development I don't don't know exactly what they're going to do with what is now the north exhibit area they alluded to just having more uh, parking area for for uh, visiting airplanes Um and maybe that's what it's going to be for. But uh, um, changes, changes at Whitman Field, changes at the uh, Air Venture uh, convention grounds. So uh, be kind of cool, be kind of cool. Yeah. We should, uh, our, our pal Charlie is the head of home building um, and uh, we should get him on the podcast sometime to tell us a little bit more about how this is all going to play out and, and, and whatnot. So uh, let's see now. One, like We are reaching the end of our allotted time here. What is Bomber Camp? Jeb, bomber I guess this camp. is you. Bomber well, camp.
1: Haven't we all wanted to um, uh, fly in World War II at a, at a, a in a B seventeen and drop bombs? I mean, there's so many video games and, and, and stuff like that out there. There's television shows and, and, and all that. Well, um, courtesy of um, Bomber Camp itself. Um, you can do that there's a there's a service now available um, bombercamp.org. dot um, <clears throat> org you can sign up for a day's or a weekends training I guess a weekend mm-hmm. um, uh, to figure out how a, uh, a world war Two bomber squadron squadron would operate
0: okay and does it involve involve mm-hmm. flying in actual bomber aircraft uh, not
1: clear to me Um... I presume it does because
0: I'm suddenly flashing on the. It, it might be similar to that the fighter camp stuff, you know, where you 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 know, sort of do uh, mm-hmm. uh, fighter aerobatics and yeah. and, and actual dogfighting, you know, simulated dogfighting. Mm-hmm. But but um, and I wonder if this is the same kind I, of thing. I, I presume that uh,
1: there's you know a ride in a B-17 at some point in this,
0: but B-17 or or a 25 or a 24, yeah. 24 or 25 yeah. or something yeah. like that. Okay, yeah. Uh, but so, I don't
1: know for, for certain. I haven't read all the fine print.
0: Do you, um, is there, there should be a, there should be a premium access level. You know, you pay a little extra and you get to select the target.
2: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's and like. <laughs> you get to
1: load the bomb and select the target. You get to write someone's name on the bomb.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you get to write it down. <laughs>
2: no, no, no. Yahoo. Yahoo, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Shades well, that interesting. interesting, Pickens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, I know, huh? I know.
1: <laughs> uh, it does sound interesting. That's why I put it up there. No, um, it is kind of interesting. I, I don't. Uh, I've never had you know such desires. Um, well, to we'll check and see if they do meteorites,
2: yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. You know, the media ride, absolutely. Yeah. Well, apparently, this is like a one. I, I don't. I don't know. I can't tell. I don't. Know. I can't tell if this is a one-time thing or the initial. Offering and maybe they'll do it again or, or whatever, but it's scheduled for apparently Memorial Day weekend, May okay. twenty nine and thirtieth of twenty nineteen.
0: Cool. I can't imagine that if it were successful, they wouldn't do it again. It, be exactly my thought. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah.
1: anyways, but, you know, it depends on where they drop the bombs. That was the yeah, I know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many different ways to measure measure success in these kinds of things, and so
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, only twenty two hundred bucks. Yeah. How much was it, David? 2,200. Yeah. That's not crazy. It's yeah. not crazy.
1: No. How much to fly the P 51 to do the bomb damage assessment afterward?
2: Uh, yeah, there you go.
0: There you uh, go. All right. Well, shout outs. What do you got? Anybody? There's only one thing on the list here. Anybody I had gonna, this hey? bomber
1: camp thing, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was supposed to be a shout out.
0: <laughs> stretch. Stretch, Jeb. Stretch. All uh, right. Uh, Considering we do half of our shout-outs turn into be full-length stories anyway. uh, 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 Let's see now. Uh, David, what's the story with this Richard Collins uh, writing
2: award thing? Well, uh, a long-time aviation writer and second generation. His father uh, did this, too. Uh, Richard Collins, he was the editor of Flying Magazine for decades. He uh, was the editor of AOPA Pilot for a while. Uh, and and uh, Richard passed on uh, uh, a little over a year ago now, it seems like. But uh, the uh, Airfax, which was his father's magazine, is uh, going to offer a uh, writing prize uh, to be awarded at Sun and Fun in Lakeland uh, next year. $2,500. Uh, 2500 submit an article between now and March 1 to the editor at airfaxjournal.com and the uh, article may be on any aspect of general aviation flying and no longer than 1500 words uh, it got to be original uh, you need to submit a 100 word biography of uh, of yourself if you're going to enter and uh it's just for you, the Richard Collins Writing Prize for Young Pilots. To qualify, the writer must be a pilot, including student pilot, who is 24 years of age or younger. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Yeah, that's... Missed it by, by that much. Much. I know, man. Uh, age is a man, I hate it. Uh, and the, uh, the best of the pack will get a $2,500... Uh, Cash, $2,500 check for, for the uh, prize.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Is there a website where people can go look for if they're interested in perhaps Air, participating?
2: Air, Airfaxjournal.com.
0: Very good. Sounds cool. Sounds cool. Uh, any other shout-outs? Jeb, you got anything? Um oh no not really we had
1: we had talked last episode, and there's a thing here uh somewhere in in this this week this month this episodes yeah uh, uh, notes about uh, f a a fast team uh and the wings program, et cetera. I just wanted to reiterate uh how how valuable some of the fast team products can be um, may spend maybe an hour sitting at your computer with your laptop po you know perched on your on your stomach in the ch- on the couch. Mm -hmm. Uh, And um, watch a webinar, um, and uh, that counts toward your your WINGS program. There's there's some pretty good programs out there um, that I've I've come across recently. Um, One of my contributors on on Aviation Safety Magazine, Tom Turner, uh, who's also executive director of the American Bonanza Society, has been doing uh, some pretty good work. Um, uh, Some of it is uh, Bonanza-specific uh but uh, that's okay too um um other other players there seem to be a new set of players a new, new set of presenters I should say uh um developing some interesting content for that uh, anybody who's who's interested in you know keeping up their skills which we all should be uh, you might want to check out the uh, the FAA's Fast Team uh, yeah. web- website for some of this. I,
0: I would imagine that there's some sort of stuff there for studying for flight review. I would imagine. Yes,
1: there there certainly is. There's all that. There's uh, uh, advanced uh, materials, um, back
0: to basics, the whole mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, mm, gonna have to check that out. That's interesting. Okay, all right. I think it's fork time. We done? We're done. Take it. I don't know if you've noticed, folks, but uh, we're definitely not at Lookout Point any longer. Uh, just, we're living in the, uh, it's a, a, a much noisier environment. It's an exciting environment here in, in downtown Dover. Um, you may have heard the train. The train did go by at one point during the, uh, during the episode. It's not as loud as it used to be. Didn't even hear it. Halfway through the episode, a big dump truck parked in front of the house here on the street. I'm on the second floor. And now I'm hearing a jackhammer. I don't know if people can hear that, but there's a jackhammer. Someplace nearby. How appropriate! It's just, it's, just, it's just the foundation of the building. <laughs> yeah, well, no joke, it could be. I was actually looking don't. at that. Uh, this, uh, this is a this is a really cool building. It's about it's an older building. And uh, how much did you pay for this place? That this, this this. It's a rented apartment, man. It's a um, but uh, uh, it's a very nice apartment. I'm very happy to be here. But uh, um, it's definitely not Lookout Point anymore. We're definitely in the midst of uh, an urban, semi-urban, somewhat urban environment. Anyways, uh, thank you, guys. It's always a blast, uh, yep. uh, my good friends. Uh, Jeb Burnside. Jeb's a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine.
1: What you been working on, Jeb? Uh, just um, this week is crunch crunch week, as it were, for the January 2019... Issue mm-hmm. of Aviation Safety Magazine. So I've got my nose to the grindstone and uh, took a few minutes out to spend some time with you guys. Very
0: cool. Appreciate that. Where can people find out about you and all these things on the internet? All these
1: things. Well, aviation safety magazine.com uh, is, is a good place to start for the magazine. Uh, you might also see some of my stuff on uh, Avweb uh, aea.net, avweb.com. Uh, and uh, generalaviationnews.com
0: Very cool. Very cool. Did you say Twitter?
1: I did not say Twitter. Burnside
0: J. Awesome. And Dave Higdon. Dave is an aviation photographer an aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's Buyer magazine. David, what have you been working on?
2: Well, my latest blog for Av-Beyer, uh talks about some of the signs of uh, market growth in general aviation, not just business aviation. Uh, Uh, going into 2019, and I also had one uh, since we did our last uh, podcast uh, back on November 12th talking about Costco, getting into the business of selling uh, memberships in uh, Wheels Up, the uh, membership club for uh, people who want to fly chartered turbine airplanes to their destinations, Hmm. Uh, okay. First time I'd seen a retail outlet uh, selling shares of uh, business aviation aircraft or access to a business aviation aircraft, and and uh, knowing from what I've seen of the Costco clientele, they'll they'll get more than a few customers out of that. So that'll hmm. make Kenny Dickner happy. Nice. Nice
0: uh, Where can people find out about this and all the other things you're doing on the internet,
2: David? Uh, com for my uh, monthly features in the magazine and my weekly blog uh, AEA.net for my work in avionics news, which I talked about a little bit last podcast uh, Or do a Google search and find some of the other mystery places where I appear
0: Very cool Did you say Twitter? I'm sorry
2: Twitter uh, Real Higdon on the Twitter machine Real Higdon
0: and I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. Um, been very busy moving, as you might imagine, and that's not done yet. It's going to be a little while before I get everything kind of straightened out. But uh, but it's a very exciting time, and I'm I'm having a good time. One of the one of the uh, and 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 I've said this before, and who knows whether this turns out to be, you know whether it comes to fruition or not. But one of the pluses about moving to this area is that it puts me a lot closer to uh, to Sanford Airport, where I used to do a lot of flying way back in the day, and uh, puts Sanford Airport a really, really easy drive up the road. Um, so hopefully that'll have uh, have a, an impact on my life. Um, you can find me uh, online in most of the usual pla- usual places uh, with the username Jack Hodgson, That's my first and last name uh, with no space or dash or anything like that. For example, YouTube.com/slash Jack Hodgson and Twitter dot com slash jackhodgson on amazon you can search for my uh ebooks uh, search for around the field in the books section you can sign up for my email newsletter at jackhodgson.com and you can follow me uh even though i'm not soliciting any sort of financial support at this time follow me on uh, patreon in my own personal patreon account uh which is patreon.com slash jackhodgson um uh, that's so. That's about it for now, uh, David. Uh, it's like one of these. I'm gonna have to fine tune this little script that I read from and, and <laughs> get it all straightened out here because I ad libbed the last part and then didn't have a close. David, close this thing out for us. Was there something you wanted to tell us?
2: Oh yeah, you live long, happy through aviation because as uh, you've heard before, time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye bye.
0: And that's enough talking. Let's go flying.
2: Well, this, this um,
1: time spent flying, is that also going to be true with ionic drives? Because won't, won't that warp somehow the space-time continuum? And you and might even, you know, age. I don't know.
2: What what are the implications? It's the ion thrust. Ion thrust.
0: What is it? 82.7 gigahertz? Eight, yes, yes, yes. Only yeah. on the flux capacitor. On the flux capacitor. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Right. We solved that problem.
2: And whatever you do, don't forget to do the time warp again.